And so Brian is no stranger to restoration. He is a blessing, and it's such a joy and honor to have you and Christina. He's a professional actor. The Lord led him here out of Bible college. He went to Hollywood, has a burden for the entertainment industry. If you've ever been in prayer meeting, this guy can quote scriptures. Sometimes I'm not even sure they're in there, but they sound good. <laughs> he can quote so many scriptures. And they're in there, trust me. How many remember two, a year and a half ago, he preached a sermon for 45 minutes, and every single word was quoting scripture. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Never seen that done in my life. And, um, you, and, and I want to just commend you. This is strategic. We're, we're not a church. We're a family. It's, I need rest sometimes. And you know what? So, sometimes y'all need rest from me. And um, the Lord has given us, there's, there's a, a bench full of capable men of God who can bring the word. And it's important for me as a pastor to nurture that. Because some of them, they're not going to be here forever. And they're going to launch from this place. And, and I commend you for being hungry and receptive and, and, and to realize the importance when sons, and not, I know Pastor Munn's more a father than he is a son, but aren't you thankful for that fatherly voice that we get on a regular basis? But to have these sons, there's seven or eight, the Lord's identified them, and Brian is certainly one of them. And I just want to commend you and tell you, remind you, Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. In the book about honor, it talks about he who receives a prophet receives a prophet's reward. And all of this stuff, I know some churches do it in a patronizing way, and it's like they worship the one who's bringing the word. No, we're not doing that. We're honoring the one who's bringing the word and worshiping the one who is the word. And, and, and may we not be that hometown that takes its sons for granted. And so would you help me? What You're in for a treat today. We love you and bless you, Brian. Would you help me welcome Brian Porzio as he comes to minister the word? Well, thank you so much. I love you. You can be seated. Um, there's no more fun place to preach the word than at your home church. And uh, Christina and I, my wife, we've been coming here for two and a half years, and we have grown and flourished here more. Uh, it's, a, it's been an accelerated growth and flourishing that we've experienced. I love you so much. You're my spiritual father here in Atlanta, and um, I'm honored that uh, this has happened. I, I'm just honored to be here. And I, you know, when I, I went to Bible college, and God put on my heart to travel and preach as an evangelist, but like, I'm not here preaching this morning as an evangelist with like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta deliver like a message out of the file. It's gotta be one of my home run messages. I, ha I have a heart for you. I, I've gotten to know so many of you, know your stories, been in people group with you. You're my family. You're my friends. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. You're my game night friends. You're my, you know what I'm saying? And so I just, I just wanna have a pastor's heart today. There's gonna be a couple times in the message I'm gonna throw that evangelist hat back on, you know what I'm saying? Because I can't escape that, but... Um, I, want, I just want to dive into the word this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 32. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Grappling with God. Grappling with God. To grapple is to engage in a close fight or struggle, to wrestle. 
Everybody say to grapple. There are some things that Christina and I have been praying about this year um, that, I mean, we've been praying about for years. We've been married for nine years now and three boys. There's things that God has put in my heart back in like 2006, 2007 that I haven't seen yet. Things I've been praying about for years. Things I feel like God has spoken to me. So many times I've gone back to the prayer closet over and over about these things. And um, there's this shift that's happened in me this year where it's gone from praying about or like petitioning to wrestling or grappling with God. There is a level of urgency and desperation that, that you can get for something that moves you from a place of passive petition to intense contending fighting, struggling with God for something. And Christina and I are wrestling for some things. And God welcomes the grappling match. It is something that he desires. And by the end of this message, you're going to see both Old and New Testament that this, this concept of prayer where we go to God to wrestle and grapple, you're going to see that it's something that God loves and enjoys we're going to understand why. One of the greatest examples of grappling in the Bible, we're going to read it here in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 to 30, is between Jacob and God. Right before this, Jacob finds out that his brother Esau is on his way to him with 400 soldiers, and Jacob thinks that Esau is there to kill him because Jacob deceived and tricked his family, his father and his brother, into stealing the blessing of the firstborn. That was the last time Jacob and Esau saw each other. Jacob took everything from Esau. So they're about to see each other. Jacob's terrified, so he prays and asks God for help and reminds God of the fact that God said that he was going to bless Jacob. And so here we pick up where Jacob leaves um, everything. He sends everything across the river. And it says this in verse 23, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the story, this is actually God that shows up here in the camp. Jacob is alone. There's nobody around. God shows up in the form of a man, and Jacob doesn't realize that it's God. So later at the end of the story, he names the place Peniel because then he realizes that he saw God and didn't die. So, so it says a man wrestled with Jacob, but it's actually God. Is everybody tracking? So it says, um, the, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. So God says, I'm done wrestling with you. Let me go. But then look at this. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go. Basically, Jacob said to God, you're ready to be done. You're ready to leave this grappling match. I'm not ready to be done. I am not leaving here until you bless me. Is everybody with me? So he says that, and then the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Father, in Jesus' name, your word's in my heart like a fire. Shut up in my bones. And I just right now get out of the way and I expect you to send your word down like rain. 
And I pray that you would soften every hard heart in this place. I ask God that you would help people to not see me, but to see you and to hear you. And you get all the credit and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Jacob grapples with God. It's It's this mentality that I need something from God. I have to have it, and I'm not taking no for an answer. That is a kind of wrestling that comes from being truly desperate for the touch of God. People who are passive or content with the way things are, people who have settled for less than God's best, or as the result of discouragement, which leads to either despondency or cynicism, are people who don't contend with God for something that they've yet to experience or receive. There is this mentality that gets you to wrestle with God where you look at your situation or a need that you have, you look at a nation or a city or something that burdens your heart that also burdens God's heart, and it causes you to say this, it's not supposed to be this way. That is the underlying mentality of someone who's willing to get in the wrestling ring and grappling with God. I do not accept it for what it is. It is not supposed to be like this. And when you say that, what you're doing is you are looking into heaven and seeing how things are in heaven. And you see the difference between the way things are in heaven and the way things are in your life or in your situation or your need. And you say, there's not supposed to be a gap between how it is in heaven and how it is in my life. That's how Jesus commanded us to pray when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The same degree that God's will is done in heaven is the same degree to which it's supposed to be done here on earth. And whenever there is a gap, whenever you see a disconnect between how God's will is done in heaven and what's happening in your life, it's supposed to create a divine discontent in you that causes you to have a holy frustration, not with God or at God, but with what you see happening. And you begin to partner with God and say, your will is supposed to be happening a hundred times out of a hundred in this situation, and it's not happening. It's not supposed to be this way, and that's what causes you to wrestle with God. Is everybody with me? It is an urgency. It is a... It is a a sense of desperation that says, I am not okay with God's will not happening. I'm not okay with it. And I see something that's out of line. I see something that doesn't look like the word. I'm not okay with it staying that way. Does everybody feel or see that kind of, that's grappling, that's grappling. And Jacob goes to God, sends everybody away, and chooses to grapple with God because he had this thing in him that said, I have lived my entire life as a deceiver. Jacob means one who grasps at the heel. It's a Hebrew idiom for deceiver. 
con man. He had spent his whole life as a deceiver. And he got to a point where he was so desperate for the blessing of God and for a change to his identity that when he had the opportunity to go to God and God said, let me leave for its daybreak, Jacob said, no, I am not okay with leaving this place until I'm blessed by you. That is, a, that is the thing, the spirit of fervency in prayer that he is calling us to have. We are not here to build Restoration Church. We are not here because we thought that Alpharetta needed another 501c3 faith-based nonprofit. We are here because we are hungry to see an open heaven over North Atlanta. That's why we're here. And because there are countless people in our families, our communities, our neighborhoods that are on the brink of destruction, bondage, and hell unless God shows up. And you and I have been tasked with the Great Commission as the salt of the earth and the light of the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to bring hope, healing, salvation, and deliverance to a lost and dying world. Can you say amen? And that we are a church that wants to be undivided, unequivocally desperate for a move of God. When we look at the religious scene today in the Western church, and we look at the suicide rate, drug rate, all, everything that's happening that's ripping this nation apart at the seams. We are not just trying to have our little church on Rucker Road so that we can have good programs and our kids can grow up in a positive environment. We are trying, we are contending for God to pour out his spirit. We are hungry for city renewal. We want national renewal. We want people to get radically saved. We want people who have been turning to Allah, to Vishnu. We want atheists who have been turning to the positive energy of the universe. That every time those men and women pray, there's no answer. Allah will not answer. Vishnu, the gods of Hinduism, will not answer. And this world is in desperate need to see a group of people who know their God and who see that their God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the God who hears and heals and saves and delivers. That's what this world needs. And I'm going to tell you something. We have already begun to see an open heaven, but there is more. There's more that we want to see as a church. There's more that I want to see as a father and as a husband, as a minister of the gospel. There's more that I want to see in the entertainment industry. So I'm thankful, and I have a spirit of gratitude. I, I am so thankful for everything that God has done. But there is so much more that I want to see God do. There, there are huge needs in our church, in our life, in my life. There are things that I have been, been believing God for, for years and years and years. And it's this wrestling that ushers in the breakthrough. The breakthrough that Dr. Damasio said when he preached here two weeks ago and said, from this day forward, my breakthrough is coming. And how many of y'all were thankful for that word? But listen, you need to hear me. You cannot just come here on a Sunday morning 
hear Dr. Damasio and say one time, and we all clap and say, from this day forward, my breakthrough is coming. You and I are called to contend, to regularly and ceaselessly go to God over and over and over to grapple with God to bring that breakthrough from heaven down. It is not a one-time thing where because Dr. Damasio said it, it should just happen. We just hit the Tesla auto, autopilot button. There is no self-driving vehicle in the realm of faith. Are you with me? That thing has to be steered. It has to be driven. And that's what you and I are called to do. And so we see all throughout scripture these men and women who grapple with God and they get their breakthrough. There's another example that I want to show you from the New Testament. Matthew chapter 15 verses 21 to 28. It's the story of the Canaanite woman. She has a daughter who is demon-possessed. Let's read it together. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 15. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite wooden from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now watch this. Everybody look at this. But Jesus did not answer a word. Jesus did not answer a word. Rude. She, he ghosted her. Do you know what I'm saying? And I look at that, and that's baffling to me. Because previously, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is healing delivering people from demon possession all over the place. So this Canaanite woman comes and Jesus doesn't even answer a word. And then it says this. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. The disciples are like, she is so annoying. Tell her to go away. Verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So there's another no. The first time, says nothing. The second time, no. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. So he says, I, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. You're a Canaanite? No. She comes to his feet, gets down on her knees, and she says this, Lord, help me. Verse 26, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So everybody look this way. This is the third time, this is the third time that she hears no. And I got to tell you something. I, I see, and I've been guilty of this too, but I see many Christians today, the religious spirit that if, if that were them, and they went to Jesus with a need, and Jesus said back, no, this is not for you. Many Christians today would say, and they would religiousize it or spiritualize it with this language. Well, I guess if that's not what God wants, I guess if Jesus said that I'm not a part of the sheep of Israel, then that's the answer. I just have to trust Jesus. That is called settling in your prayer. And this Canaanite woman, she refused to settle you, you need to, we don't understand this kind of desperation because we have so many things that we go to. We go to everybody else, everything else except him. And so if there's a delay in our answer, if we pray 
for 45 seconds. We ask someone to pray for us for 45 seconds at an altar and nothing happens. Well, I guess I gotta go to everywhere else. This woman had no other option. The Pharisees couldn't do it. They couldn't cast out demons. There was nowhere to go. So she, you, you, you understand, she couldn't leave that place without a yes. And she says this, after he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, she says this, yes it is, Lord. The Canaanite woman has the audacity to actually Jesus. Um, actually, do you see that? A lot of actuallys happened over the Thanksgiving table where, you know, where we're with relatives and politics comes up or whatever. And um, actually, it's, that poll's wrong. And you, you, you say that you actually because you're trying to correct the record. You know what I'm saying? And here's this Canaanite woman that the, the gall, the brazenness to look at Jesus and say, I disagree with you. It is actually right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And notice what Jesus says. She says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus, that was when Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. That is the grappling that Jacob did in Genesis 32. It's the same mentality in the Canaanite woman. There is this urgency and desperation when you have got to get something from God and you know that he's your only source. You are not leaving there without a yes. I'm leaving here with something. It's this, it's this brazenness, this, this boldness, this, this irreligious, this unreligious thing that there, there's so much religiosity about our praying today. Well, I just believe that whatever happens is gonna be God's will. You know, Brian, we're just trusting God. I don't pray that way anymore. I do not go to God like that. Hear me. I go to the word. The word is our authority and our anchor. Are you with me? I go to the word. I find out what he wants my life to look like, which is the word. I want the Bible to be as true in my life as it is on paper. It's not complicated. Anytime you read the word, every promise is for you. Every promise is yes and amen for you. Do you understand? So I go to the word. I don't do this thing before God where I say, well, Lord, I, 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 I know you kind of said in your word this, but God, it's just it, whatever you want. I don't pray that way anymore. I was raised to pray that way. I have gotten to a place in my life where I am so desperate for some breakthrough in some key areas in my life. If God doesn't show up, it's over. It's over. I can't take no for an answer. And so I say to him, God, I know what your word said. And there's a gap between what you've said and what I see with my eyes. And I expect it to change. And I'm not leaving here until it changes. That is the grappling. And listen, God is not offended by that. 
He's not bothered or disturbed by that. He welcomes that. And this grappling that I'm talking about, it's not a complaining or a resentment or a bitterness. God hates complaining. If you want to spend an extra 40 years in the desert, just complain. Do you, you know, it, so hear me. It's not complaining. It's not griping. It is a faith-filled, joy-filled, confident assertion of what God has said to expect him to be faithful to his word. That's what it is. And that glorifies God, and he's pleased with that because God is exalted above all else, his name and his word. When you're willing to stake everything on his word, and you're willing to go to him and say, I believe your word over what every man has said. I believe your word over my circumstances. I choose to believe your word no matter how little I can see it. That makes God look glorious. And when you choose to put all your eggs in one basket, God, you're my only hope. You're not my last resort. You're not stinking plan D or E after I try everything else. You are my plan A, B, C, D, and E. And if you don't come through, I have no one else to turn to. When you do that, the answer will come. And when you walk in full surrender, when the answer comes, he will get all the glory. And you won't be tempted to take the glory or the credit for yourself. Woman, you have great faith. So here's the definition for me personally to grapple with God. To boldly approach God, to ask him for what you need and want, expecting it to fully come to pass, and passionately asking until he does it. We do not wrestle with God or struggle or grapple to try to convince God to want to give you what you need or want. God already wants to do in your life far more than what you want. God wants to meet your needs. He wants to pay your debt. He wants to heal your body. He wants prodigals to come home far more than you could ever desire it. Prayer is not about trying to convince God that something is gonna be good for his kingdom or for you. He already knows that. How many of you are thankful? We serve a generous father who loves to give, always giving, always open-handed, Genesis to Revelation, giving, giving, pouring out, blessing, prospering, expanding, growing. We serve a good and gracious and generous God. He's not stingy, he doesn't withhold, he graciously gives. That's not the problem. It's not God's desire that's the problem. That's not why you wrestle. What you're facing right now it's not that God doesn't want breakthrough to come to you. He wants the breakthrough for you more than you do. So here's the question. What is it about grappling then if, if we're not trying to convince God? If God's already on board, then what is, what is it about grappling that God invites us into? What's the big deal? Here's what you need to understand. Um, I'm going to skip. Uh, I'm going to skip down to uh, why we grapple with God. Um, here are the reasons God invites us to grappling. Number one, grappling produces stewardship. 
The endurance and grit that you develop through contending with God is what qualifies you to steward the breakthrough. The season that you're in right now of contending for what you need and want, constantly asking God, that season between now and your breakthrough is developing within you the very thing that will qualify you to handle the blessing or breakthrough well once you receive it. And I gotta tell you, there are dreams and visions that God gave me when I was 22 and 23 years old about the entertainment industry. And I went out to Los Angeles. A lot of you know my story because I shared it a year and a half ago. And God opened doors and provided for me. And then I thought in a couple years, because God spoke to me about being a minister in the entertainment industry, I just thought that in like nine months, I was going to be, you know, at the Oscars. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, uh... God, I thought you spoke, I thought you said this. And I have been praying, contending, two steps forward, one step back, you know, now since being 22 years old, 15 years or whatever. And now I see that there has been this season of me grappling and wrestling and fighting and tilling and, try, and holding on this grit and endurance that now I see that 23-year-old Brian would have never stewarded well what God ultimately wants to do through me. It would have caused me to collapse like a dying star. I would have been a flash in the pan, and then I would have ended up collapsing or compromising or having a moral failure. And God knows that the greater the breakthrough that you're asking him for, the greater the season of contending that you go through so that you can have the grit and endurance to steward well once you get it. And here's the sobering warning from scripture. The Israelites got the promised land, but they were commanded to remove all the nations from Canaan. And if they didn't, what would happen? That they would become like the other nations and that they would bow their knee to the gods that those nations worshiped. Israel disobeyed. So they got the promised land and they forsook the promiser. And it ended up dragging them down a path of idolatry and wickedness that ended up costing them their, their nation. Is everybody with me? So as a good father, God wants you to constantly go back to him to contend and wrestle because there's a grit and a perseverance and a character that he's building in you that you need to steward it well. I don't wanna just have a ministry in the entertainment industry that lasts seven years. There is something generational that needs to happen in Hollywood. There's something so much bigger and deeper than, than I, I can even think or imagine than being on like one stupid show and having like a little moment, you know, where I get to travel and speak invited because, oh, I was on a show and that's it. God is interested in so much deeper than that. He's first of all more interested in my sonship. Am I gonna walk with God? Am I gonna experience and encounter his glory? And then obviously the maturity and the humility and the wisdom and the temperance through this wilderness that I've been in to steward it for generations, to not just you know, a Brian show, but big picture to invest in the next generation, to think about my children and my grandchildren, to think about a hundred years from now in the entertainment industry. God is thinking all that way. So he's working in you the stewardship through grappling. Number, uh, under, under stewardship, part of stewardship is honor. The price paid in ceaseless prayer will cause you to cherish what you receive. 
I, I, I've shared this story before. My wife and I were at a different church here in North Atlanta, and for like a year and a half, Christina and I were just very like stagnant, like spinning our tires. And I started to pray. I was like, God, like I, 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 we're supposed to be in a different place. We're just, they're good people, love them, but we're supposed to be in a different church. And I would ask God, like, God, I just need you to bring me to the, to the church I'm supposed to be at. And nothing, goose egg from God. Nothing, no direction, no nothing. For a year and a half, just going to service, feeling like I'm spinning my tires, and I started to get really frustrated. And I started to say, God, why don't you just tell me where to go? Just tell me. I'll go anywhere. And it got to the point where, like, God, honestly, at this point, all I need is, like, someone who preaches the full counsel of the word and worship that isn't horizontal. You know, like, like my standards got so low. And, um, and I just, I, I got to the point where I just was like, Dude, I'll take anything. And finally, Christina and I find restoration. We start going here. We start to flourish. And a couple months in, I'm having this conversation with God, and I'm like, hey, I'm so thankful that you brought us to restoration, but like, uh, quick question, Lord. Um, how come, why didn't, um, why didn't you do this a year and a half ago? I, I, I would have flourished. I, I would have, I've, like this year and a half, like wasted. Why, why didn't you just tell me back then? And he said this, son, there is now a cherishing and an honor in your heart through that desperation that you now have for restoration that you're gonna need to steward well what God wants to give you. And I can tell you now, you know, we know exactly why there was that season, that wilderness to build within me a spirit of honor. And I thank God that there was a season of wrestling and grappling that he had me go through. Is everybody with me? You need to know by faith that there's an honor being built in you. There's a cherishing being built in you. Another thing about stewardship is grappling leads to surrender. You get so desperate for God to answer you that when he does, it all goes back to him anyway. Hannah grappled with God. She got so desperate for a son that she bent over and was praying so fervently, her mouth was moving, words weren't coming out, the kind of anguish and pain in her spirit that causes you to pray that way, so much so that the wicked high priest Eli saw her and, and, and thought that she was drunk and went up to Hannah to rebuke her. And Hannah said, I'm not drunk, not, nothing like that. I'm praying earnestly for a son. Then Eli, that idiot high priest who has a form of godliness but denies its power, says, oh, okay, well, if that's, what, if that's the case, then go, you'll have your son. Hannah gives birth to Samuel. What happens after the breakthrough? She immediately gives him back to the Lord. Right away, it's yours. It's yours. And there are some things that you are believing for in your life, your business, thing, goals and dreams that God wants you to accomplish, but God has frustrated it or he's got you in a season of waiting. Why? Because if you get it too easy, you'll be tempted to take credit for yourself or you won't yield it to him. But the desperation that you develop grappling with God causes you to get to a point that says, I don't care about my agenda anymore. I'm not even asking for myself anymore. I just want God to be glorified. And I do, there have been some times like praying about the entertainment industry, like 
There's a couple times I've literally become so despondent as an actor, and all my actor people, you all know, like, it's tough. Rejection after rejection after rejection. There have been a couple times where I've literally prayed, God, I want revival to come to the entertainment industry, and at this point, I don't even care if I'm a part of it. Like, if you don't even, if you're not even going to use me, use somebody anybody do something if I got to sit on the bench and watch it from the sidelines then so be it that's this this reduction all the way down to this narrow view of God just be glorified and when you get that way by going to God over and over and over wrestling with him you will surrender it to him when he gives it to you and it'll be used by God not just to validate his promises to you but to validate his promises to a nation because God gave Samuel listen God gave Samuel to Hannah to comfort Hannah but to lead a nation and God had a plan with Samuel that Hannah didn't even know about. But he had to make sure that Hannah was going to forfeit Samuel over to him. And when God got Samuel from Hannah, then an entire nation was led by a prophet who neither bowed his knee to Baal nor was intimidated by the kings of Israel. And Samuel led the nation of Israel in the worship of Yahweh for his entire life. Your need, your request, whatever it is that you're fighting for, God wants to give it to you because he loves you. He's a good dad. But there's some 4D chess that God is playing, y'all. It's, it's bigger than you. It's not about your business. Your, the, the function of your business is to see the glory in the kingdom of God salt the earth. We are to disciple nations, to make disciples. Can you say amen? Everything that I'm asking God for, I'm asking God for specific things in the natural. It's all because I know that God is playing some 4D chess that I don't know about, and he's gonna get all the glory and the honor and the praise. Can you say amen? Grappling reveals the location of your hope. I already talked about this a little bit. But fighting for the right thing in the wrong way is still wrong. It will either destroy you or it will tempt you to take glory from God. When you need something, you'll seek it in the place where your hope is found. And I want to lovingly admonish you. What does you need from God? Where are you going to get answers? Where are you going? How much time are you spending on Google or polling your friends on Facebook? Or go into this person and that person and this expert and that medicine and that SSRI. It, is, it reveals the location of your hope. When you go to God and you have a need and you ask him for something, but then you peel away from him and you try other things, it reveals that your hope is not fully in him as the answer to what you need. And I want to lovingly admonish you, he is our only hope. He is the source of everything that you need. I, in December, um, I'll just be honest with you for a little bit. I, I was having a little uh, spiritual hissy fit. I talked to PC about this. Uh, I was having a little spiritual hissy fit with God about what I was called to do. And, um, and I ended up dropping my agent. I, I, I emailed my agent. I said, I, I'm done. And then I deactivated my actor's access, so, uh, the place where you uh, uh, do auditions. And I was like, I, I just... I can't do it anymore. And uh, God was a good father, 
waited for me to deal with my hissy fit, brought me out of my little spiritual temper tantrum. How many of you know we've all had them? And, um, and then I want to testify to you that this year, I, I still don't have an agent. It's 11 months, no agent. Starting in January, God graciously and has been so, so amazing. I have, I have experienced more favor in the industry, more open doors, more bookings, and of a higher quality of, of, of work than ever before in my life, all the years that I've ever had an agent. And here's what I want to tell you. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me these last few months. Son, why do you think that happened? Why do you think that I waited until you didn't have an agent for me to do that? Because, God, listen, God can put you in any room with anybody easy. That's the easy part. It's nothing for God to do that. The king's heart, right, in the, in the hand. That's nothing. God was after my yieldedness and my sonship to know that man does not live on bread alone. Man does not live on agents alone. Man does not live on business contacts alone. Man does not live on doctors alone. But man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and I, I, want, I want to testify to you that this, this principle of the upside down kingdom, God is in the business of doing things and bringing breakthrough to you in ways that don't make sense. God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 to 27. Why? So that no one can boast before him. If I've got my agent and my headshots look sick and I feel dope and I'm doing all this and then, oh, open doors happen. Okay, God gets the glory, but maybe I get a little glory. And when you try to take any glory from God, it will destroy you. When you reach out your hand to touch the Ark of the Covenant and you have no business touching the Ark of the Covenant, it will destroy you. So God had to get me dead to my own agenda. And God wants to move in your life in a way that doesn't make sense, that confounds your wisdom and understanding, but he won't do it unless you're grappling with him and you're yielded to him fully surrendered and then when he does it you'll look at it and you'll baffle like me I've seen so many times in my life it doesn't make any sense you'll look at it and say I can't take any glory it wasn't because of how good I look or how talented I am or not it was all God and he gets the glory and it's all to him and that's the DNA that he's calling us to have Why do we grapple? Grappling builds intimacy. At the heart of your wrestling with God is his desire to draw you to himself. A few weeks ago, I was uh, praying in my room and um, I was praying about one of my specific needs, right? And I was, go I, the word, I was like using every scripture, like, yeah, you know, wrestling with God. And, uh, and all of a sudden, like, I, I just felt like this thing from God. And, uh, and, and I just said, uh, hey, I just want to walk with you right now. And so I stopped wrestling. I stopped asking for this thing. And, I, and then I just said, I am going to have you. I'm going to get your presence. I'm not leaving here until I get your presence. And then all of a sudden, I felt this joy this euphoric satisfaction, pleasure. Psalm 63, you satisfy me more than the richest of foods. 
when, when the psalmist says, my flesh cries out to you, in that moment I was like, I understand what this is. Everything in my being, every atom, every, every piece of my spirit was so enamored with him. I just began to smile. I began to laugh. And all of a sudden this wave hit me that God, God is literally, I can't even explain it. God just has everything. It's all done already. It's all done. Everything's done. It's all done. Everything's done. I, it's, it's all hilarious. I don't know a way to explain it. It was this overwhelming sense of peace that like it's all done. And then I just got to be in his presence and he overwhelmed me with this joy. Took my breath away. And, um, and then I, I started to realize our greatest wrestling should be to get him. And uh, my, my, uh, my favorite character actually in the Bible is, uh, is Enoch. He's only in six verses in the Bible. And the only thing we really know, he had a ministry, but the only thing we really know about him is that he walked with God. And I, I've started to wrestle with God uh, using Enoch and using Moses where I have said, I've said to God, God, I'm not supposed to be jealous of Enoch. Enoch is supposed to be jealous of me because I live under the glory of the new covenant where the blood of Jesus has been shed and the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Enoch got to walk with you to a point that he was taken away without the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him and without the blood of Jesus. I'm not supposed to be jealous of Enoch. Enoch's supposed to be jealous of me. And I just started to say, and this may be a little weird. It's actually a little weird for me too. I, I literally said the other day, I said, Enoch, I'm coming for your title. I am going to walk with God. I am going to get to a place with God where I'm no longer jealous of Enoch. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how old I am. I don't care what I have to do. You can have everything. You can have acting. You can have preaching. You can have my phone. You can have everything. If that's what I have to do, if that's what I have to lay down to see your back, I am going to see you. Because Moses saw God's back in Exodus 33. And God hit him in the cleft of the rock so that he wouldn't see his face. And after God passes by in all of his glory, the Lord removes his hand and Moses got to see his back under the old covenant that has no glory compared to the surpassing greatness of the new covenant. And I look at that and I use that passage to grapple with God. I wrestle with him about it. I say, God, how come Moses got to have that moment with you? And I'm under the new covenant and I'm yearning for the old covenant. It's not supposed to be this way. And I have literally made up my mind. I am going to have my cleft in the rock moment. I am going to get in that moment. I'm gonna see God's back. I know that's crazy. I know that's, that's wild. But listen, if Moses had it, then how much more can you and I have it? Being bought with the blood of Jesus and being the temple of the living God, spirit of God poured out. 
You and I are to wrestle, grapple with God for everything that we need, but there's this, there's this grappling that you get when you get in God's presence and you start chasing him and you start saying, I'm not leaving here until I get his presence. It changes everything. Every single one of you. It is the inheritance of anybody who calls on the name of Jesus because Jesus shed his blood to bring us into the most holy place. I don't ever want to leave the most holy place. I want to live in his presence. I want to be in his glory. I want to be a carrier of his glory. And when we do that, when we get that heart, man, you watch the breakthrough just flow. You watch it just happen. Can you say amen? I want a new name. I want a name change. I want a name change. I want to be known as a man who walks with God. If I'm ever known as an actor or preacher, I don't care. I want to be known as a man who walks with God. Make that the cry of your heart. Get that wrestling thing in you that says, I am going to get God. I am going to experience his presence. Because the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who passively, half-heartedly conveniently seek him. Listen, I want to I, I want to lovingly admonish you. There are some of you in this room, you've been putzing around, distracted, doing your own thing, building your own little sandcastle on the shore of eternity. He will not reward that. He is a rewarder, but he will reward you when you make up your mind to diligently seek him. He will reward you. Amen? And we want to be a church full of people that are passionate for his presence. I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. There's one more thing I want to share. Can somebody give me five minutes? Can anybody give me five minutes? Yeah, five, 10, 15, 20, 25. Um, here's the final thing I'll say. We, we don't just wrestle as individuals. We wrestle as a body. We are contending for city renewal and national renewal. We still have the childlike faith to believe that God wants to pour out his spirit on a city and a nation. And I, I remember I preached one time at a church about this, about revival in America. And the pastor took me into his office after the service to give me the honorarium or whatever. And he said to me this, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, Brian, Revival's not coming to America. And uh, I was like, excuse me? Basically just poured a bunch of water on the fire that I just started to stoke. And I, I realized that preaching there that day was worthless. His word never returns void. But that pastor got to spend weeks and months after that building his own dead DNA, no revival, no nothing. So, I mean, what are you going to do in, in 40 minutes? So he said, Jesus said, the road is narrow and few find it. And he used that scripture as a way for him to settle on a move of God not hitting America again. And I, I didn't pick a fight with him, though I wanted to. A, a fight in the word and also maybe a fight with his face. Uh, but, but I refrained. 
and I, I remember leaving and I remember saying to God, I will never believe that. I will never live like that. I, my job, your job, is to get that narrow road as jam-packed as we possibly can before he comes. And let me say something. Let me say something. That pastor, was there enough room on the narrow road for you and your family? Was there enough narrow road? Was there enough room for us? Then the narrow road that we're going to get it packed. Can you say amen? And I, I just, I prophesy the devil is not gonna get the final say over the United States of America. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna get the final say over this nation. And I, listen, I know, I'm, a, I'm gonna shoot really real with you right now. I know we got bunkers and storehouses and guns and thousands of rounds of nine in this room. And I know y'all thinking America and even if, listen, even if the federal government suffers a demise, that does not run against an outpouring of his spirit. I, I, listen, I want the Constitution to endure. I really do. But if for some reason it doesn't, God's plan has not changed for national renewal. And I, I hate to say this, but if it comes to that, to humble the proud American spirit to bring us to our knees, to make us desperate for God. Nothing is off the table. And grappling with God, that's the final thing I'll say. There, when you get so desperate, you say to God about your need or about a city or a nation, God, nothing is off the table. I give you permission to do whatever you have to do to bring breakthrough. You have full permission. And I say that over the United States of America. Whatever it takes for people to get saved, for Americans to encounter the presence of God again. He's done it in the past. The second great awakening, the great awakening, a hundred years ago, a place like Azusa and Topeka, Kansas, and God wants to do it again because he's not willing that any should perish, but everyone come to repentance, and he's raising you and I up as a church that's going to boldly proclaim the gospel to see people get saved and healed and delivered. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet all over this place. Father God, I thank you so much for your word that's come alive, and I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do what I cannot do. I've done my best to put faith in this room through your word, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken these men and women now to repent and turn from sin, to be encouraged to fight again. Some of you are despondent, depressed. You've walked into this place and you've given up on believing God for something, and I came here this morning to put fresh wind back in your sails. That God is saying to you, son, daughter, it's not over. Do not stop grappling with me. Do not stop contending. I want a breakthrough in your life. The enemy has tried to cancel it right at the finish line, but if you will not grow weary, if you'll continue to labor in prayer, I will bring it to pass, my son or daughter. I love you with an everlasting love, so get up, fill your horn with oil, and run, you man or woman of God. That's what God is saying to some of you in this room. You've allowed the enemy to, to fill you with despondency, depression. You've allowed the enemy to convince you to settle on the word of God, to, 
to twist the word of God to accommodate your experiences. But God wants you to know his word never changes. And he wants to fill you with fresh faith today to lean onto the word and say, I know what God's word says. I refuse to give up. I will not be denied. I'm not going to let you go. Receive fresh wind right now in Jesus' name. Depression, despondency, it has to go. It has to go. The joy of the Lord fill you in Jesus' name. Every prodigal, every son or daughter that's drifting from God, that's drifted, Father, the situation is unacceptable. And we do not take no for an answer. We wrestle with you, God, on behalf of the prodigal. Father, financial needs in this room. You are El Shaddai, you're Jehovah Jireh. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich without painful toil for it. We will lend to many and borrow from none. I'm just saying scripture. That's none of my commentary. I'm just saying scripture. Receive that by faith. Use those verses to wrestle with God. Your financial breakthrough is around the corner. If you'll release what you have to God, there's so much that God has in store. And and the last thing I want to pray is God for this nation. I don't care how long it takes. I will never stop believing that you're going to pour out your spirit on this nation. Father, I ask you for America. I ask you for Hollywood. I ask you for for the entertainment industry in Atlanta. Pour out your spirit. And you said that the righteous will remain in the land, but the wicked will be uprooted. And if you said that, God, I receive it and I lay hold of it by faith. I prophesy against every demonic agenda that's beholden by our political leaders, that it gets cursed and canceled right now, that this nation will endure, and that righteousness and justice will flow from heaven in Washington, D.C., in the Supreme Court, in our capital, in our local governments, in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just prophesy over the next few months, we are going to see an increase in the exposure of wicked agendas, wicked plans that have been hidden in dark rooms on anonymous phone calls using VPNs, text messages and phone calls that have happened uh, via encryption. God, I know that you're going to unseat the wicked who have a plan to prosper off of the destruction of our children, off of the mayhem and the confusion that has hit this next generation and we just say as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ it stops this year in Jesus name enough is enough we stand in the gap we grapple with God we contend for a nation and if you will take that if you will get this in your spirit if you will become like the Canaanite woman the woman with the issue of blood Jacob The man who goes to his neighbor's house, if you will get like that, not just on Sunday morning and Tuesday night and Saturday morning, but if you will get like that all day, every day, that's radical, Brian. That's pretty radical. Yes, it is. But John Knox was a radical who cried out to God in Scotland, God, give me Scotland or I die. And Mary, Queen of Scots, is famous for saying, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than I fear the armies of Scotland. He was a radical man who said, I am going to get Scotland for God. And a great outpouring hit Scotland in the 1500s because there was a man, John Knox, who said, I'll die if God, you don't give me Scotland. Take 
this with you. It is radical. It is a paradigm shift. You're going to have to change the way you live, change the way you talk to your kids. You're going to have to change the way you spend your time. But if you say yes to getting in the ring with God, you watch what happens in this church and in your life and in your marriage and in your kids and in this city and this nation. Can you say amen? And if you're going to be a part of it, come on, let's give God praise one more time. PC is going to come to close, and um, I love you so much. Thank you for your hunger for the word, and um, let's not wait until January 1st to get a, a jolt, a fresh charge, amen? Let's go take Venezuela and say, give me Venezuela or I die, and I know that's your heart. God, give me the entertainment industry. Whatever avenue you're in, give it to me, God. We're going to wrestle for it, amen? Can we say thank you to the Lord for the way he is using Brian Porzio? Just thank you, Father. And also, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and just thinking, Ezekiel 22:30 for our men's ministry. The Bible says, the prophet said, I looked for a man who would stand in the gap. You know, Brian, I believe God is answering some of your prayers in the entertainment industry. He starts with exposing, bringing things out of darkness into the light. And many of us, our nation, what we know now about the entertainment industry, we would have never known that had God not gotten involved. I just believe, brothers and sisters, are y'all feeling the faith? We need to lean into, perhaps God is up to something already in our nation. Amen? Come on, amen? Let it be, Lord. So come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Everything to the feet Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive your word. May it rest in good soil and may it come up and produce a harvest. Multiply it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. It is so good to sit and hear a sermon that is got rhema oil on it. You realize how blessed we are? We received a word this morning, a word, and it won't return empty or void. God's lifting us up, lifting you up. His ways are higher, but his word gets us up on that new plane. And so I just speak over you prophetically. We pray a prayer over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance up on you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. Be blessed this week. God bless you all.